Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. All right, welcome everyone to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you being here. We're live on WYSL until 1 p.m. So that means that you, the listener, can give us a call and participate in the conversation. Give us a call at 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Or comment online on A Free Solution, the Facebook page, A Free Solution, the YouTube channel. Or the Kevin Wilson pages, I'm on there as well. And today we have a guest on the show. We have Tim O'Connor, who uh, ran for Tim. I think you ran for Senate last year, and now you're taking a look at some of the the New York State legislation coming down the pipe. But Tim, t- tell us who you are and and what you're up to nowadays. Guys, my name is Tim O'Connor. I'm from Otsego County. It's a, a, a Approximately 60,000 people, central New York, Cooperstown, the home of baseball. That's where I'm from. Um, I'm the chairperson of the Otsego County Libertarian Party. I did run for New York State Senate um, in 2020. Met a lot of great people. One of the things that we are working on in uh, conjunction with the New York State Libertarian Party is we're developing a better understanding of legislation, okay, and how its drastic impact on our state and the people in our state can have a either a positive or a negative effect. So obviously we want to stand against what we're perceiving to be really bad legislation. Um, Rich Patel um, is the chairperson of the Legislative Affairs Committee of the New York Libertarian Party. Um, and we've been working together finding some really what we I want to call egregious legislation. And on Cuomo's desk, guys, we have a very limited amount of time to respond to this, is... Uh, the HEROES Act, what's called the HEROES Act, it's A2681B, and the, the Senate version is 1034B. You you have a limited amount of time to reach out to Cuomo, to reach out to your assemblyman, to reach out to your senator, because this legislation has passed both the House and the Senate. And it's going to be a real problem for small to medium-sized businesses. Um, we're talking, if you have 10 employees or more, you have to have this pandemic plan um, the law hasn't spelled out what the plan is going to be. They're going to turn it over to the New York State Department of Health for them to write regulations. And basically, you, you got to love when they do that. Like, uh, our plan is to make someone else create a plan. We, you pass it, and then eventually someone will create the actual rules that we're going to have to live under. Yeah, we legis- we're legislating by fiat now, right? We're, we're turning over rulemaking ability to the New York State Department of Health, thereby bypassing legislative responsibility yet again. Um, so basically, this law is a disaster. Um, it, 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 the, the goals of it are unclear. It imposes a unfunded mandate on our small to medium-sized businesses. Large businesses can afford stuff like this, I guess. But small businesses, 10 people or more, they can't afford stuff like this. Um, there's this, this trial lawyer bonanza in it where you can get... from your employer if they don't follow the yet-to-be-delineated regulations. It's a real problem. We do have a limited amount of time to convince Cuomo to um, 
let's let's say a couple more accusers come out and they they just say, look, we'll we'll back off our accusations if you don't write this legislation into law. I don't know. Yeah, it's something right. we need something I to know. stop this. Trade wreck. Tim, you're being being mighty cynical about this, but I, I get it. Governor Cuomo seems to respond uh, to accusations with trying to gin up good PR. But you know, this the uh, it's called what the Hero Act, right? So the how Act could is... you oppose the Hero Act? I don't even it sounds know. Wonderful. That's <laughs> it. Could be the fluffy baby puppy law, but the bottom line is, is that it's going to wreck small businesses in New York State. Yeah. I don't care what they name it, and they do a great job of that, right? They name a bad law, uh, some virtuous signal kind of law, like name of, you know, hey, let's let's save children and keep the sky blue, and here you go. So. We're up against that kind of virtue signaling mentality in our New York State legislature right now. Yeah, New York State, uh, you know, the I, th- I think they used the HEROES Act for uh, one of the COVID relief bills, too. Uh, you know, because you, you're not opposed to heroes. Of course, you're going to do that. And so let, let's talk about what this actually does. Like the the uh, the pro side of this says, well, this is to make sure that employees are safe in their workplaces. And, and anyone who poses this is against workplace safety. You know, is are, are you opposed to workplace safety, Tim? I am not opposed to workplace safety, but we already have a regulatory agency that takes care of workplace safety. Um, and and actually, that uh, organization has improved its stances towards small business over the years. They've become less restrictive. They've offered opportunities to correct things um, before they devastate a small business with fines. So the HEROES Act, if you like the HEROES Act, it still stands that this version right now is dangerous to small business. Now, can it be improved? Sure. Can they make it better? But the bottom line is right now, again, and I want to emphasize this, and I apologize for being repetitive, but we have a very limited window of opportunity to convince Governor Cuomo that this law is a bad idea and it needs to be reworked. Yeah, or, and, and again, right right now, most of this has to do with uh, with with COVID protections, right? They they want to they want to make employers create a whole plan to make sure that they have um, protections in place for any future pandemic. Uh, any anyone with ten or more employees, um, and again, what, what what's interesting about this is you know what we have to think about like, well, have we even figured out what we've learned from COVID at this point to have employers be informed enough to create an adequate safety plan? Well, first of all, we kept stores and small businesses um, in the essential services sector open during the COVID pandemic, which of course is appropriate. Um, We haven't seen them being these mass transmitters of of the COVID-19 virus. And so I'm not sure that setting this up now is, is in any way appropriate. We've, we've, basically handled the pandemic to a point where we can handle the pandemic. Um, We've destroyed a number of small businesses, a number of restaurants in our state, and this bill itself just ups the ante on on chasing businesses out of New York State. Yeah, and and it's it's, – we're looking at these types of regulations. It's not any one thing, right? Like if this this were the only thing that a business had to do to be in compliance in New York State, not a big deal, but it's – one more thing you need to, to get your employees together and, and figure out like how to respond to you know health uh, health and safety in in terms of like a, uh, you know viral outbreaks like you know can they do that is it appropriate for them to do that should they be doing that sort of thing and and how 
And as you said, like the large businesses, they're, they're not going to have an issue doing this. You know, they, they have the resources for being able to do it. It's the small businesses, the ones who are on the margin, the, the, the 10, 12, 15 employee businesses, they're going to have some trouble with this. And I, and I happen to work at one of those, too. Yeah. We're, you know, we're only like 12 people, but we would fall under this. Now we've got to create this plan. And let's let's not forget that larger businesses also have um, legal counsel on retainer or actually on right. staff, right? Smaller businesses don't have that. They're not going to have the power to fight a, an attorney who's aggressively trying to get people money to line his own pockets. And that's with all due respect to attorneys. There's lots of attorneys that lean libertarian. There's a bunch of attorneys that lean conservative. There's a bunch of liberal attorneys that understand human rights and individual freedoms and liberties. That's... But there are a, a distinct segment of the legal profession that does do this ambulance chasing, let's call it. The, the, the Disabilities Act is a prime example where got, lawyers were going around suing businesses for not having bathrooms when they're part. They're like in a mall and the bathroom facilities are a shared facility and they're literally winning these cases and, and getting themselves money for f- almost fictitious, fictitious uh, victims of the law. Right. I mean, like with, with any set of laws, you have to look like, what, what's the intention of this? Is this a genuine effort to protect people who are facing problems in the workplace or being exposed to undue risk? Or does this create liability so that workers have grounds to sue their employers for, you know, not not complying with the law, even if that doesn't, uh, it doesn't really do anything significant to make them much safer? It, it won't make them much safer. And, the other problem is right is that it's a virtue signal, right? We 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 criticize people who just want to signal their virtue, where we don't feel that their virtue is real. This situation of writing a law called the Heroes Act and then having it punish small business, and, and the 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 goal is to protect people from airborne illnesses in the workplace. It just seems to me like it's just an extension of this constant narrative of virtue signaling that we're getting from our legislature yeah you know and when we come back i I do want to talk about like virtue signaling a little bit because i want to talk about you know like because this does happen in legislation a lot right like it's i think a lot of politicians and lawmakers want to feel that their their intentions matter more than what they actually accomplish right so like as long as we're showing we're doing the right thing or talking about doing the right thing that's more important than creating policy that solves problems or maybe just leaving it alone maybe the government doesn't need to butt in on this well you, right, you so, know as a, as a libertarian i'm like just just stay out of it just relax we already have something that covers this we don't need more punitive virtuous legislation let let's just let businesses be business in new york state and you you know me that's that's my position every single time yeah absolutely all right yeah so when we come back we'll we'll talk about um we'll talk about this uh i don't I don't know if our producer's still on. I was expecting to, to go to a break now. There it, there it is. I'm there like, it is. I know it's coming up soon. I don't want to start a new topic. All right, so uh, we're again joined by uh, Tim O'Connor, who's a libertarian from uh, Otsego County. Right. Otsego County, Otsego the home County. of baseball, Cooperstown, New York, man. We're heart of central New York. Absolutely. That's my story. All right, we're, we're going to be back in just a few minutes. Free solution. 
All right, welcome back, everyone, to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host today. Thank you so much for joining us. We're here live on WYSL until 1 p.m., which means that you can call in, listeners, 585-346-3000. We're joined by Tim O'Connor, who's a libertarian from Otsego County. We're talking about some legislation coming down from New York State and things that we ought to look out for. And before I we go back to the conversation, shout out down the line to our friends over at WACK out in New York and WENY, the Patriot down in Southern Tier. Appreciate y'all listening here as well. And we'll get to a couple comments. We got a couple comments that are just, just nice things to say about Tim. Uh, Nathan uh, tweeted, says, Tim is a fantastic advocate for liberty, and I'm glad to have him in my area. Uh, and John Morrison says, hey, Tim, they let you on the radio. Freedom and liberty ring. So you got some fans <laughs> listening today, Tim. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And, and, guys, that's part of the reason why I do it, that people do occasionally listen to what we say. And people are out there interested in what, what we're trying to do, how we're trying to change the future in New York State. Um, John is, a, is now a resident of Florida, but he used to be a, a New Yorker. He's a Bills fan. And Mr. Tweedy has been active in the Libertarian Party, offering his assistance, offering his ideas. And he helped with my campaign. I mean, he's just a great guy. And, and, and that's that's the reason why we're on the radio, isn't it? I mean, we've got to help these people spread their voices, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we need to talk about, you know, how can we uh, advocate for liberty and mount a defense from the biggest intrusions of liberty, many of which come from New York State? You know, and we, we talked about the virtue signaling thing a little bit. You know, it's 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 a lot of politicians will try to to do legislation that feels good, that seems like it does the right thing. They do this with with the welfare state stuff. They do this with the, the HEROES Act, with regulations all the time. Um, and, and that's always something to watch out for. And we talk about that on this show all the time. Like, don't, don't look at what their intentions are. Don't look at what the PR is. What are the results of this law going to be? And yeah, if the, it's ro- the road to hell is paved with good intentions, Kevin. And I exactly. mean, that's, that's, that's not, it's, it's a thousands of years. People have been saying that it's an absolute reality. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I think it was an important point to jump in on. No, no, no. I, I wanted you to jump in. That's good. So, right. uh, so, so that's something that like I know you're looking out for. Uh, uh, folks like Rich Patel are looking out for. The Libertarian Party is looking out for. Um, the, it, look at what the law does, not what politicians say it does. Yeah, and, and I mean that's a real, real issue that we have to deal with, is that they they do want to make laws to get themselves reelected. One of the issues is is that they don't hear from their constituents enough, and they don't hear from them in a respectful manner, right? These guys want to know what you think about these laws, but the bottom line is is that if we don't reach out to them, the 30 cat ladies that do reach out to them are going to basically influence all the policy in New York State. Does that make sense? Like, you've got to talk to your assemblyman. You've got to talk to your senator. You've got to make your understanding of the laws known, and you have to let them know where you want them to come down on it. And also, as a Libertarian Party, we have to present a threat to their security of getting reelected. That's our one of our pathways to success. I don't care what any other Libertarian says. If we're not a real threat to run real candidates against these guys, we we have to hold them accountable, and we have to hold them accountable that way. We have to be ready to run races against these guys. Right. I mean, that, that's always like any third-party strategy, right, like existing in a primarily two-party system. Like, we are— uh, the, the Libertarian Party can do one of two things, either like threaten to actually win or say, hey, look, this is what we feel about this position, and we're going to try to convince you that that's the right position. And also it's going to help secure your spot if you take our positions. So yeah. th- th- there's another opportunity there. It's like, all right, go ahead, co-opt our position, sure. 
Yeah. Um, you know, if we change policy, that's what we wanted. Absolutely. Look, the guy I ran against voted against Senate 1034B. Okay. I'm happy that he did. The guy that ran against Thomas Daniel Queter in Senate District 52, um, a purported conservative Republican, voted for this legislation. And I can tell you right now, after conversations with Tom, he would have never voted for this legislation. It's an obvious train wreck. He has a, a disability situation, so he's very aware of disability law, and he draws a direct parallel to the lawyer, um, trial lawyer bonanza that the uh, the American Disabilities Act was and kind of still is. So if you guys want to make change, you've got to reach out to these guys. You've got to know who your senator is. You've got to know who your assemblyman is. Um, and so every year in New York State, the issue of New York State scaffold law gets debated. There should be, and I, I've talked with Tom Stebbins of the Lawsuit Reform Alliance of New York State. We did a live show together at my um, Tim for Liberty page. Basically, this guy is a, he's like a, on the side of the angels, right? He's advocating for lawsuit reform in New York State. That he, he wants less lawsuits. He wants less of these grand payouts. And one of his particular areas of focus is New York State scaffold law. And to steal his thunder, I just want to be clear, this scaffold law costs New York State hundreds of millions of dollars in infrastructure every year. So when we look at why a bridge in, in for example, guys, in New York State costs $10 billion and a, a very similar bridge in Kentucky costs $4 billion. One of the reasons why it's so expensive in New York State to build that infrastructure is because of the scaffold law. And the scaffold law protects people. It offers kind of a double indemnity. If you get injured on the job, we have workers' compensation that's going to take care of you. If your employer's negligent, we have negligence laws that are, are going to allow you to punish him. But if you get injured by virtue of a gravity-related situation, in other words, if you fall from anywhere onto anything and you get injured, you get to sue your employer's general general liability policy. So, as a result, general liability relatively inexpensive if you don't have laws like the scaffold law. So, throughout the country, general liability is relatively inexpensive. In New York State, general liability insurers don't even want to write uh, policies. They refuse to do it unless they get exorbitant fees. And again, hundreds of millions of dollars, guys, because of this law, goes to insurance companies and they don't even want to write that policy. So think about what that means, right? If we could limit those payouts, these these trial lawyer bonanza, and, and one industry in New York State that's doing pretty good is the trial lawyer industry. They get to sue lots of people for lots of different things. I don't think we need more laws. And again, with all due respect to lawyers, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but we don't need more laws to make trial lawyers money. Yeah, all right, so... Well, two two points on that. One, you know, it, it to your point about like driving up expenses around like infrastructure building out. Uh, you know, if you're ever wondering like how how is it that like building a half a mile subway in New York City or building like a couple miles of road in New York State manages to cost ten twenty times more than it does in any other like state, much less any other country. Well, this is part of the reason why, right? It's it's, it's it, this set of laws that that create a lot of upfront expenses to to be able to even do this stuff. Yeah, I mean they're. It, Other factors too. But. Scaffold law is probably the number one contributor to our higher infrastructure expenses. I mean, the weather plays a role. The population density in certain areas plays a role. But one of the biggest things outside of our certain realities 
is the scaffold law. And if we can mitigate or minimize the impact of scaffold law, we will have cheaper infrastructure, less expensive infrastructure, guys. And I think we all got to see when our, our school projects to add a wing onto the school costs, again, let's use Kentucky, but three times as much as a similar school project in Kentucky. I mean, these are things that we can fix without actually hurting any individual, right? We don't want, I don't want to think of, of me advocating against an individual not getting taken care of if they get injured at work. I, I've, I'm a yeah, contractor. You know, because I, I was, I was going to bring that up too, you know, like, yeah, I, bring I, I it up, back man. That a little bit, you know, it, we only have a few minutes before, maybe I'll save that for next segment, but because okay. in this segment, there's another, uh, another comment from John on Facebook says, let's not forget about unions ratcheting up the expense too. Yeah, that, that, that is also part of it. John, I, There's I wanna, little little union thuggery going on in New York State, guys. Yeah, you know, if, if you if you have like the ability to to exercise exclusive contracts and you're able to set the price that you want, then yeah, you're, you're able to. You no, know, I know. I know. On one hand, yeah, you're getting maybe good rates for <laughs> your, your workers, but on the other hand, we're spending a ridiculous amount of money to to do basic stuff. Agreed. All right, so. You know, and listen, I I do want to wait till after the break to be able to do this, but the 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 other issue that we do need to talk about, you got you started to bring it up, is is this law actually protecting people? Right, like if someone does get injured on the job, don't don't we want to make sure that they are able to get back on their feet, to pay their medical bills, do all this stuff? And so, you know, how do how does New York State and how do employers like? Think about these issues kind of in a, in a big way to make sure that, that we're not hurting people, that employers aren't able to just be negligent and and let people get injured on the job and not have to pay for that. So, again, we're talking with Tim O'Connor, who is a libertarian from Steve County, ran for New York State Senate last year and is now working with the Libertarian Party of New York on watching, watching out what legislation is coming down the pipe here. So, Tim, thanks so much. Uh, we're going to be back on a free solution in a few minutes. If you want to weigh in on the conversation, give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We're going to be back in just a few minutes. Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website there hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals but don't take my word for it they've won the best in rochester eight years in a row and have an a-plus better business bureau rating if your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals give the professionals at simple tech innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182 that's 585-200-3182 simple tech innovations a free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you being here. We're live here on WYSL, which, again, you can give us a call, 585-346-3000. We do have Tim O'Connor here, who's our libertarian friend from Otsego County. Ran for state senate last year, working on 
watching out for legislation coming on pipe in New York State with the Libertarian Party. Uh, shout out down the line to our friends over at WACK out in Newark and WENY, the Patriot, down in the Southern Tier as well. Appreciate you being here. And, uh, and to our friends online, too, who are continuing to comment. Thanks for listening in on the Free Solution Facebook page, a Free Solution YouTube channel, and anyone listening on the Kevin Wilson channel, too. Appreciate you being there. All right, so, Tim, you know, we're, we're talking a little bit uh, about scaffold law, and, you know, I, I just want to bring up the counterpoint with that. You know, doesn't doesn't this help workers, though? Are you trying to say that employers shouldn't be liable for when someone falls on the job? Um. As I, as I was trying to point to, and I, I absolutely agree with that point, and I, I welcome that you bring it up. We have an extensive system that protects employees in New York State already. Um, the issue with scaffold law in particular is that it, it's like a bonus payout. Um, that's number one. They get to they get all of the benefits of, of being injured on the job, which, I, guys, being no one wants people to get injured. Um, no one, I never, ever wanted my employees to get injured. No contractor that I know wants to have people getting hurt. That isn't really the issue. The issue is how much the insurance costs to protect against this specific law. And one other issue too, and I'll circle back around to how people are already protected. But one other issue too, is that if there's a contributing factor, let's say this, these, these employees are getting high on the job or showing up to work otherwise incapacitated, and they, there should be some contributory negligence at least to the scaffold law, but that there is nothing there that protects the insurance policy from an employee lawsuit. It's all, Like I said, it's all bonus money. We already have laws that hold employers accountable for negligence. We already have workers' compensation that does in fact do a decent job of covering hospital bills. And, and I know that might make some people mad, but workers' comp is an imperfect system at best. But still, people still provide for people. Employers still want their employees to show up for work. People don't want someone facing a lifetime of a disabled situation or a lifetime in a disability because of something that happened to them at work, at least without their hospital bills being paid and some form of settlement where they get compensated for that injury. Those things already exist. Those things are already in New York State among the best in the country. Scaffold law adds this bonus payout for, uh, again, anything related to gravity. So, you know, fall off of a ladder eight foot because you're drunk and high, and all of a sudden, not only do your hospital bills get paid, not only do you get a settlement for getting injured, but then you get to sue your employer's general liability policy for untold millions of dollars sometimes when it comes right down to it. And that is one of the things that is costing New York State taxpayers, New York State taxpayers, hundreds of millions of dollars in infrastructure building and infrastructure costs. So, yes, let's be sympathetic to people getting injured on the job. Absolutely. If there's, If we could dial back this general liability expense, Perhaps we could even, you know, bolster our workers' comp situation because overall, infrastructure projects become way less expensive rapidly. Is, does that make sense? Am I am I sounding like an unsympathetic libertarian who just cares about big business? <laughs> yeah, you're just you're just on the side of the capitalist and and the big businessman, and yet you, you hate the workers. And no, I'm kidding. No, that that does make sense to me. It's like it, it's we've got to kind of like unravel again, unravel the talking points around this. Right. Uh, which is why I wanted you to do and, and talk about like well, what actually makes sense here. Are we are we making sure that any like negligence or injuries are, are covered 
in in a way that you know doesn't leave people out in the cold, but also doesn't impose ridiculous costs on employers and taxpayers that make it impossible for us to for for government to effectively deliver on the promises that they say they will, right? Like again, yeah. good infrastructure and and whatnot. Not not that like I I always expect that, but right. like if they're gonna do that and they're gonna like take money out of my pocket, I've, like let's at least talk about ways in which we can make that a little bit better. Yeah, Less bad. I agree, and and we can't ignore the like perverse economic. I'm an economics guy. I studied economics at SUNY Binghamton. We can't ignore the perverse economic incentives of a law like scaffold law, which says, "Hey, you've got to pay if people get hurt, um, astronomical sums for insurance, and then enter those businesses in a competitive bidding process." So where do where does the lowest bidder come from? Probably from the guy who is less concerned about his employee safety. Does that make sense? You can trade safety for production on some level in every business. And I think every contractor knows that, especially if you've ever worked by yourself. There's times when you're just looking at something that needs to get done and you're like, all right, I could set up my scaffolding or I could just take this ladder over there and grab that piece of, you know, shingle off the roof and fix it real quick. So you can trade safety for Production and that I think the scaffold law because it's so expensive actually trades safety for production. It probably encourages people to rush through jobs in a less safe fashion. Does that make sense? Well, it does make sense. Again, I come from a family of contract. Like I get that. Like I get that temptation. Like I do, do I really need to do. I, I could just, I could just do that. It's fine. You know, I'll go get the thing. It's like <laughs> yeah. I mean, and having lived that life and trying to make money and trying to keep customers happy, you know, there's those moments where. Especially when you're working by yourself and you don't, your employees aren't there, and you're like, right. I, I, I can, I know I can fix that. I know I should set up better, but I'm sure I'm going to be okay. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're riding a ladder down the side of a building, going, "Oh my God, I definitely didn't think this through," you know. So, <laughs> and I've been there too, man. I literally have been there, which is, I, I survived it. I didn't get hurt, but I, I'm, I was lucky, you know. So no one wants anyone to get hurt. I loved my employees. I appreciated my employees. I appreciated the effort that they put out for me. But we still had to make production. So how do we how do we fix that? And again, putting limits on scaffold law is a step in the right direction. Period. Yeah. So that that's that's a great point. And and another comment from John said, you know, uh, where is that like laws like this keep uh, smaller companies from being competitive um, and and out of the field, and, and bigger companies are able to you know, deliver on he, those contracts more effectively. Again, you're able to scale it because of, of the barriers to entry. Absolutely right. We write so many of these well-intentioned laws that are supposed to protect individuals, and yet what we actually end up doing, and as libertarians, we talk about this all the time, whether it's big pharma or big insurance or big construction, they're in favor of laws because it does keep small contractors from competing, from entering that market to find a general liability policy that will pay on scaffold law, you, a, yeah. a little guy's simply not going to be able to break into that. Yeah, there, there's, there's a term no for way. it. It's called regulatory capture, right? Like it's, it's, Thank you that's very when, much. That's when the, the, the big companies come in. They say, okay, please regulate us, government. Please regulate us. It's for our own good. But you know what? What they're actually doing is is making it harder for competitors with fewer resources, fewer you know teams of lawyers on staff, uh, to 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 jump in and be able to do this without either you know running afoul of the law or just paying paying all the money to prove that they are following the law because that that's part of compliance too in, in a lot of these cases, not just the scaffold law, but in a lot of these cases where you not only have to follow it, you have to 
show the work and prove that you're following it the whole time. And that also uses up a significant amount of resources too. Absolutely. And it, it is by design. I don't think we can deny that, right? If you have a marketplace and you can protect that marketplace through purchasing a law or a regulation, at some point your actuary or your accountant is going to say, well, if we invest with this politician or uh, in this law and get this law passed, Kevin and Tim can't just throw their pickup trucks and some ladders in and come in and compete with us on this on this capital infrastructure project. And I think that's also a contributing factor to the lack of economic activity in New York State. Uh, and guys, in Otsego County, we always have to take a look around and say, what is going on? We're, you were losing population. We have houses falling in the ground. Uh, and we have politicians that are, are doing their best to answer those needs, but they're not quite meeting up with reality. And economic opportunity in New York State is a reality that we need to focus on. And when we see laws that limit economic opportunity, that threaten small businesses, at some point, we have to take a stand. We have to push back against this. And guys, on the legislative affairs, the LPNY legislative affairs um, situation, if you know of a law that you want popularized either for or against, and guys, we there's a couple laws that we actually stand for. The Dave DiPietro wrote a law um, standing against vaccine mandates. We support that law, and we think it's important to find laws that we support. And if there are laws that you think that you can change or you want people to be aware of, we're here to listen to you and we're here to help with you. We're we're forming a coalition. We've worked with lots of people like Upstate United and the Lawsuit Reform Alliance. And and again, we've got to give a big shout out to Rich Bertel for his nonstop activity in offering libertarian solutions to complex problems. So... In the next segment, I got a couple of people that I want to give shout outs to who I feel like are doing a great job helping try to make New York State better. Does that make sense? That, that does make sense, Tim. All right. So uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, Tim O'Connor, we're, we're here live on a free solution. So you can call in if you want to participate in the next segment, ask any questions, bring up any laws that, you know, you think that. We, shall, we ought to be paying attention to. Uh, give us a call, 585-346-3000. Again, we're joined by Tim O'Connor, our libertarian friend from Otsego County. And we'll be back on a free solution in a few minutes. A free solution. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host today. Thank you so much for joining us. We're here live on WYSL, so give us a call if you want to participate in the conversation, 585-346-3000, or leave a comment online. And got another new comment from, from Stephen. Just just wave. Hi, Stephen. Good to have hey, you here. Hey, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the the other piece of legislation we started talking about over a break, too, is is rent. There's, there's oh a God. whole bunch of yeah. – uh, Tim, should we cancel rent? Basically, we're New York State legislator legislature is is going to cancel rent. Okay, so the biggest source of income for middle class Americans, the biggest source of of a improving your community, providing affordable housing, is about to be on the chopping block in New York State. Okay, rent control and uh, it's becoming next to impossible to evict somebody. And guys, let me tell you, I used to own property. It was already next to impossible to evict somebody. You had to have a real case. You had to have take real action, and it was really hard to do. So now we're going to up the ante in New York State. And guys, this this one is a big, huge topic. We still have time to fight this one. On Wednesday night 
at him for 51, the New York State Legislative Affairs Committee, and again, this is the LPNY New York State Legislative Affairs Committee, but we have members from all walks of life, okay? We, we have a Republican member, we have a Democratic member, we have some other people that we, we collaborate with. Uh, so at Tim for 51, Wednesday night, we're going to do a broadcast uh, live on Facebook where we talk about these things at about 8.30. Rich Patel will be joining, Emmy Dayton will be joining, and these guys have at least as much knowledge as me, and Rich probably has more. Like, he, he is an absolute genius. So... We will be exploring and exploding this notion of rent control and what it's going to do to, to middle-class Americans who, who want to invest in their neighborhoods and make, make affordable housing for people and, and how we're going to limit that ability and how that's been a lifetime path to a, a moderate retirement or a moderately better retirement and how New York State is just going to put that on the chopping block because people that own property and rent to other people are evil. Period. Yeah. That's what I mean, they're doing. Yeah, like there's there's this left wing notion like, oh, if you are charging someone to, to live in housing, you know, you're you're exploiting them somehow. Where you know, and not thinking about the fact that, you know, I know there's crappy landlords out there, but a lot of landlords they're just trying to provide a decent product, right? And and yeah. Money's gotta go into that. You gotta pay your taxes, you gotta improve the property, make maintenance and repairs, all that type of stuff. The, the, most people are, it's a it's a moderate source of income for the type of folks who are only owning, you know, one to a handful of properties. And and the way New York State is structuring their laws, it's going to make it so if you want that faceless massive corporation that owns, you know, a quarter of the property in your city to to grow even further, well, let these laws pass because that's what's going to happen. That's exactly who supports these laws. They're going to love it. Your little neighborhood guy that wants to own five or ten houses and build himself a future free from having a boss other than himself and the people that rent from him, he doesn't stand a chance. And, and one thing to point out, guys, the number one expense associated with, with being a landlord, a middle-class American landlord in New York State, is the property taxes that you are forced to pay, okay? Uh, on the order of three to $5,000 a year, before you maintain your place, before you repave the driveway, before you nail a shingle on the roof, three to $5,000 a year goes to your local county government. That is a huge amount of money. It's a huge percentage. And in lots of areas, especially Otsego County, it negatively impacts the, the resale value of the property. So let's fight the power. You know what I mean? Let's, let's talk to our assemblymen. Let's talk to our senators and, and see if we can't at least stop this before it gets too far. Yeah, you know, and, and we've talked about some of the, the proposals coming down the way, too. And, and part of it, it's challenging, right? Like, so, like, the some of the New York uh, state laws around this, they're like, well, you know, they want to help people out who are impacted by the pandemic. But right. at the same time, right, it, it, small landlords, like, can work through New York State's bureaucracy and also, like, get some assistance to help those folks but kind of your 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 mid-tier landlords what 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 ends up happening is that the tenant says well i'm not going to pay because of pandemic hardship and then then the landlord's like well shoot i can't make my bills because i'm not you know made of money they're even even the big corporations eventually run out if they have no income stream and then you know next step up is like okay these companies are going to start facing like actual collapse you're going to have issues with finding housing because you have housing that's no longer being maintained because it's going into foreclosure the rental prices are going to end up going up and putting more strain on the exact type of people that you're supposed to be helping well we'll all be renting from the government eventually or sooner rather than later if laws like this continue to be passed in new york state yeah i mean like there are legitimately folks unironically like 
advocating for that. Like, well, let's just have the government bid all the, the affording affordable housing. But, you know, it, which is wild to me in the Rochester area because, like, the, the Rochester Housing Authority, like, has had so many problems in the last few years. I know they do they do do some stuff that's fine and they provide housing for folks. But, like, I'm not sure why, like, there's the political will to keep, like, giving them more resources. I don't know. That's beyond me. Yeah. Uh, but you, I know you're not. You're not like most of the folks listening. To this don't. They'll pay attention to this stuff. But like Adam McFadden, our city council member, who's involved with that, and and George Moses, and the, it's a it's a whole thing here in Rochester. Uh, we, and like, why why trust those agencies to? Uh, yeah, you can have an automatic boogeyman. Some some profiteer out there buying up property who who just wants to screw poor people out of their money and and let the house fall into the ground. None of that is true. There, there's a certain amount of mythology that our current legislative environment in New York State is based on. Um, and, and we've got to fight that battle. So that's why I'm here. I kind of ask, and hopefully you don't mind, but I've got a couple of people that I want to give shout-outs to. Of course, to. yeah. I was about to say, we're getting down to the wire, so I yeah. want to make sure that you, you have the opportunity to talk about those folks. So you go All ahead. Right, so I, Osseco County Libertarian Party has gotten actively involved in, in endorsing candidates, right? So we have a guy that's running for Hartwick town supervisor and Hartwick just happens to be the town that we lived in when I was born in and like so many upstate New York small towns it's it's kind of seen its economic hardships and Brian wants to run and change the dynamics that he's seeing being put in place in the uh, the town of Hartwick now he's he's a defense contractor he's, he's done really well for himself he's he actively is is buying a, he bought an asset in Hartwick and he's fixing it up it used to be a church and he's making it beautiful and it's close to the center of town and now he's wants to serve everyone and he has creative ideas and solutions as to how to make Hartwick New York better and he, and you know, the guy he's running against wants to write laws that make sure people put their lawnmowers away when they're done mowing their lawn. And believe me, guys, the economic situation in Hartwick, that can't even be that important. There's so many more things that could happen before you worry about whether people are putting their lawnmowers away or whether they have a couple chickens in their backyard. Those things got to change. Brian's a guy that's going to change them. You already heard me talk about Rich Bertel and his nonstop effort on behalf of the LPNY, on behalf of Tioga County, guys, if you, I have a lot of friends out in Tioga. If you're in District 3, Appalachian area, you got to support Rich. you got to get out there and vote for him. If you want to find out more about the Legislative Affairs LPNY Committee, Wednesday night at Tim for 51 on Facebook. We're going to be broadcasting live. I'll be hosting. I try to keep things light, and I try to make a few jokes. Um, but we'll be talking about real issues. We'll be talking about this rent control issue, and we'll be talking about our limited opportunity to convince Cuomo not to sign the bill 2681-1034-B. Those things can help make New York State better. And again, all, as always, scaffold law. Every small business that wants to be a bigger business needs to take a stand against scaffold law in New York State. Anybody that wants lower infrastructure costs in New York State you need to talk to your elected representative and tell them that scaffold law needs to be fixed. These things are hugely important. It's something that we can do right now. Your, your senators, your assemblymen, they never hear from people like us. They only hear from the, the disconnected few who are actually like advocating for, I don't know, cat laws, new cat laws or something. All right, but They want to know that you understand the laws that we're dealing with and how they're going to negatively impact your county, your town, your state, and they will act on your behalf. They just, they need to hear from more of us, right? One, yeah. All one right. letter they think is 500 to 
2,500 people. So if you write a sane, appropriate letter, they're going to listen to you, man. They really are. It's important. All right, Tim, thank you so much. We're out of time. I know you can keep, you can keep going. I love it. Uh, I love but, to talk, so, brother. So make sure you look up Tim on Facebook and follow him on Twitter. He's great on there. Uh, we'll be back with more Free Solution on Wednesday. Larry Sharp will be in tomorrow, though, with a Free Solution. I'll be back on Wednesday. Talk to you then.